Hello and welcome to Pumped, the inside podcast by Schwalbe. I'm your host Tobias Wogan and I'm talking here to Schwalbe athletes from different disciplines, from downhill to cross country or from triathlon to road racing. And today I'm talking to Erwin Sickens. The Dutch is founder of the Green Divide in the Netherlands and today he's releasing a new video about a bike tour he did this summer with a very special background. Hey Erin, thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast with us. Where are you right now? Um, no problem. Um, I'm actually in Arnhem in uh, the Netherlands, in the east of the Netherlands, close to the German border, at home. So you're just back from a, uh, from a holiday trip, you told me? Where, <laughs> where have, you been? Have, you been, <laughs> have you been traveling with a bike or uh, just a normal holiday? No, no, I was... <laughs> I call it a holiday, but it was actually a uh, my first ultra uh, race that I was uh, competing in. Ah. So it was a uh, kind of a cycling uh, holiday, but I I had a really rough time there. So <laughs> so yeah. it was not really relaxing. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a relaxing holiday. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. But I did enjoy myself. <laughs> okay, that's good. So this week. Um, there is a video from you going online that is based on a story from your grandmother. So could you tell me briefly what the video is all about? Yeah, sure. Um, basically, it's a, a video about um, a ride my grandmother and my parents did back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, it's the Mosel Rad Tour, which is a uh, well a cycling tour um, near the Mosel River in Germany. Um, and um, the special thing about this is that um, actually I'm from a, uh, a long line of cycling family. So mm -hmm. my grandmother used to cycle, my parents used to cycle, my uh, uncles and aunts cycle. Um, And, uh, and basically, I didn't want to have to do anything with cycling for a long time, um, all the way <laughs> until I was a student. Okay. Um, but since I've become a big cycling addict and I've been exploring uh, also my cycling past and my cycling history. Mm -hmm. um, so when my grandmother moved houses last year, uh, we were cleaning out her house. And I actually bumped into this old cabinet full of cycling medals. And in between all these cycling medals was a old stamp card yeah. um, of this 1981 Mosel Um And the special thing about this was that it had a root card uh, drawn on it. So you could actually see what they had cycled on this map on the stamp card. That's cool. Um, and Yeah, and it was actually, she had a lot of medals in there, but I wanted to, like, we were throwing a lot of stuff away because she was moving to a smaller house. Um, but I wanted to, like, to save something from the past to kind of as a proof that my, my grandparents were actually already cyclists yeah. uh, back in the day. And I, I saved this stamp card from the 1981 Mosel Rad Tour, and I... Uh, kept it like in my possession for months I didn't really look at it and then when I had it in my hands again a couple of months later I actually saw that 
um, that this ride was exactly 40 years ago last September 21st mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I thought to myself that's actually pretty cool if I could do like a tribute ride to um, kind of celebrate the past of uh, my my family yeah. the cycling past of my family and do this ride again 40 years exactly to the date of this this specific ride that they did in Germany um, and it's uh, not not necessarily like they did a lot of riding back in the day, but it's it's this it's this it's this tour that they visited multiple times that I don't know stuck out to me. Yeah, and that's basically what we did. We went to the Mosul and we did a tribute, a gravel tribute, actually to this ride. That, that sounds really nice. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, while your grandmother uh, using. Or was using a lot of um, the roads and the cycle paths back in the days. Um, yeah. You have decided to, to do it a different way. So you decided to do a, a gravel trip of this. So why you decided to, to do it not on the original, um, original route and go for a gravel ride? Well, this is basically because um, I, I, I ride a lot of bike but uh it's a lot of gravel riding that i do i'm a big gravel enthusiastic mm-hmm. person um but uh i'm also a person i don't like to do um stuff that o- that already other people do so i like to do new stuff and explore new roads yeah um, that's also why i like gravel a lot because it's a perfect way of cycling to explore new paths and and unpaved paths and places people don't go a lot um, and so when I saw the, the route map of this uh, Mosul Rad Tour, it actually hit me that this is an uh, area that they farm wine in. So there's a lot of vineyards there. Um, and I have done a bikepacking before and I was in the Elsass, which mm-hmm. is a wine area near uh, the German-French border. And what struck me back then is that these vineyards have a lot of beautiful gravel roads in between. And they are actually quite beautiful. They're also really quiet. Nobody really uses them except the farmers. Um, but they're great for gravel riding. Um, yeah. And so when I saw this uh, Mosul Tour map in front of me on the stamp card, I, I immediately had the idea of not taking the roads and doing exactly what my grandparents did back in the day. Because that would just be blunt copying of what they did. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to make a tribute that was also part of what I do. And what I do is I ride gravel and I explore new roads. So yeah. I kind of combined my knowledge of the vineyard gravel roads with the route that they originally rid, uh, had ridden. And uh, and that basically ended up being a, uh, a gravel tribute. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah th- this is really cool. So back in the days, you're grandparents they had the stamp card with the root drawing on it so it was quite easy to find the way and um, know where to go in your case it's much much more more difficult so how did you plan the the tour 
yeah <laughs> it's it was easy because uh the mosul river is actually quite uh well you know a river has yeah. a certain form <laughs> so you can kind of easily find the the river back on the map and also some of the the city names were drawn into the stamp card um but yeah the gravel roads themselves are obviously not drawn in there mm-hmm. um, so i used uh, commode i do a lot of commode routes as well and I find Commode perfect for finding gravel roads as well. So basically what I did is uh, use the Commode uh, system to find the perfect gravel roads in the, and um, from there take it uh, and plan the route um, using highlights that already existed, but also taking a few gambles left and right. Um, <laughs> but they ended up like really perfect because the route was actually when we were actually there riding the route it was much more beautiful than i had expected up front this is really really nice i mean the video is just coming out this week but i i had the chance to uh, already watch it and i really like it because yeah the as you said the the nature and everything it's it's so beautiful and for people who want to um to join you on a ride or to um to do this right is it possible to download your um, your Komoot route? Yes, yes it is. I have actually uploaded it to my uh, Komoot profile as well. I have uh, made I made a collection out of this uh, this story. So there's not only the story there but also the uh, route and GPX file that you can download. Um, so you can actually go and write this route yourself. And uh, I would definitely suggest doing so because it's like you said it's 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 actually really pretty mm-hmm. um, and uh and and the the extra fun thing about this route is that maybe like the original route stick uh, stuck to the cycling paths a lot, so that meant that they were riding a lot down at the river level. but if you take the Mosul area, the wine area is actually quite steep hills, but the gravel roads are actually. Uh, more up the hill so mm-hmm. you're riding not only on a perfect gravel road but you're also constantly experiencing beautiful views over the valley and the river below yeah but as you as you already said i mean the mosel um valley is very famous for wine and the the vineyards which means <laughs> that the um the, the hills are quite steep so how much did you regret to not riding on on the river level but uh, going up and down all the all the steep climbs on the side. <laughs> uh, that's a good question, but not a lot actually, because it's uh, it's actually quite pretty up there. So um, yeah, sure, there are one or two steep climbs, but actually, all in all, it wasn't too bad. It was actually quite okay to ride up the hills. There were, like I said, one or two really steep parts. And maybe you have to hike your bike in these parts, but it's not never too long because it's not that high up over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and actually the views up there and the riding up there is so rewarding that even if you have a hard time climbing up, it's 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 definitely worthwhile when you're up there and enjoying the views and yeah. So I, I wouldn't I would definitely do it like this again. Like I wouldn't ride up uh, like down at the river <laughs> level. I would always go up the hill there. Yeah. Okay, that's perfect. Um so what did you like the best about this trip? Was it the wine or 
the combination between everything? I think it was, like I said, like the, the, the original idea was to pay a tribute to my cycling family, actually, and uh, to do so by, by riding this route that they wrote 40 years ago. Um, but then, like I said, make a, a gravel tribute and not just copy the route, but to make it something that was also part of myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually, like the whole concept of riding there, uh, enjoying the ride a lot. Like I, like I said, I, it was so much more pretty than I had, had thought of in the beginning when I was planning this route. So I was excited riding it, but when I was riding it myself, it was actually so much more pretty. Yeah. Um, so, but also then when I was riding there, I, I, and I don't want to sound maybe too romantic, but I, it, it's, it actually hit me that when I was riding there, like these are exactly the same places and the same views that my grandparents were seeing and enjoying on the bike back in the day. And uh, it kind of hit me that how cool it is that this cycling thing we're doing, it's, it's not like only now and here, it, it's, it's been around for a long time and actually it will be around after we're gone also for a long time still to come. Yeah. And it's routes like these, this, that, that you can keep riding them and keep enjoying them. And those landscapes will never be gone. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, it's, 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 it's like, well, like I said, it's, it's really special to, to relive something that has happened in the past again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. This, this is really, really, really cool. So this year you took part in the, please help me with the name. Is it uh, Gran Guanche? Or how, yeah. <laughs> how, how does a, uh, how is the name of these yeah. multi-day gravel, gravel race across the Canary Islands? Yeah, well, this is actually the, the, the ultra race I was talking about earlier that I just returned from. Yeah. Uh, and it's a Spanish word. It's, yeah, it's something like Gran Guanche. Uh, but it, I don't know, a Spanish person would probably say it different, that it's something like that. And um, yeah, it's uh, basically a gravel route over and that combines like the, the main Canarian islands. So it starts at Lanzarote all the way in the north and then kind of goes down all the islands. So it goes to Fuerteventura, then Gran Canaria, uh, Tenerife, and then finally ending in La Palma. Uh, where there's now an active volcano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a really uh, heavy ride, but also really beautiful. Yeah. How, how, how did you go on the ride? Was it, was it good? I, I've seen some pictures from you lying in the, um, was it on a ferry or you looked quite tired. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, I actually, I ride a lot of gravel um, and I'm also experienced in bikepacking. Um, but I have never before ridden an ultra race, so I do a lot of dot watching. Um, but actually, to put on a race cap with a number and 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 yeah, ride something like this myself was a new experience for me. Um, and I think what you hear a lot when people talk about riding ultras is that experience is so important. Yeah. Um, and this is exactly what I have experienced myself <laughs> now, first degree, because. I went there and the race started at set on the Saturday, but it started at 10 o'clock in the evening. And this has to do with the ferries because you kind of have to take a ferry to get to from one island to the other. Mm -hmm. And it, it, because of the time schedule of the first ferry, it makes sense to 
have the race start and in the evening instead of in the morning. Mm -hmm. But this also meant that we yeah we started the race in uh, in the dark and you immediately were faced with the choice of am I going to go sleep or am I going to go right through all the night? Um, and well. You know, if you start a race like this, you're, you're kind of fresh, you know, your legs feel good, you're fresh in, in your mind. So, and all the people around me, like the, the, the fast kids, but also like the, the, even the slower ones were like, no, no, we're going to ride this island through the night. So I kind of followed that same principle and just rode all, all the all way through the night, the first island, Lanzarote. Um, and from there... I, I kind of just cycled through on Fuerteventura the the Sunday after, the, so the day after. Yep. I just kept cycling. And at a certain point, I found myself uh, at the southern harbor of Fuerteventura, having ridden two complete uh, Canarian islands in something like 26 hours. Yep. And it was a really, really rough route. There were like a lot of hiker bikes as well. And... Uh, and sandy sections like beach and uh but also like uh like trails so it was a really rough experience on me to do this without any sleep yeah and then like the island after that is gran canaria but i only had like four hours of sleep in the in a crappy bnb so i i kind of made the mistake of maybe hitting it too hard in the beginning and mm -hmm. just like sleeping too little um and that kind of caught up with me when I was riding on Gran Canaria and Tenerife um, because I was actually like really tired and I think <laughs> these are also the pictures you saw on my Instagram yeah. I'm like sli sleeping on a boat and I'm sleeping on some square in my sleeping bag I was actually too tired to even pump up my air mattress so I slept on just on like on a square and I, I slept really shitty in all these nights yeah. um, and that really fucked me up <laughs> yeah, yeah this everything adds up to a really really bad and tired time yeah i bet so you you have written or some someone has written um i think the the race organizer that you made the usual beginner mistakes <laughs> in the first race you you did <laughs> so not sleeping was one but um did you made any any other mistakes you would change for the next time Yes, yeah, well, definitely listen to my body like more like sleep when I'm tired would be a really good one. Um, and, and I think I went a little heavy on my bike as well mm -hmm. because I had a bike and it was without any water was 23 kilos. And I thought that might be quite okay. But then when we weighed all the bikes in the beginning of the race, I was actually the most heavy bike of the whole race. Um, so I had a couple of laughs of that as well from other riders <laughs> and uh and i must say that you know when when it comes to to a race like this where because there's a lot of climbing in this race on the canarian islands so i mean doing a, a race with a lot of climbing obviously it's much better to have a lightweight bike so mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to revi revisit my packing strategy on the next <laughs> one i think <laughs> okay, but do you want to take part in such a race again, or are you done with this shit and doing the more that week again? <laughs> this that was actually funny. I uh, because I was I, I I really tackled this one the wrong way, and uh, it really caught up with me. Uh, in the middle of the race, I had 
um, I, I kind of hit the brakes. I thought of quitting, but I booked a hotel instead because I always heard like you shouldn't scratch in the evening or at night. So I didn't and I booked a hotel. I had a really good night's sleep. And then the second day on Tenerife was actually a, uh, a good night because, uh, um, because I, I, like a good day, sorry, because I had a, a, like a great rest before and I felt actually good again and I really enjoyed the second day on Tenerife. Um, but still, I, I kind of felt like I'm never going to do this again. I'm just going <laughs> to party pace, bike pack the next one. And I was telling this at the um, finish party to uh, Josh Ibbett, who is uh, well, kind of famous in this uh, world of ultra riding. Yeah. And and he basically he, he basically laughed at me and he said, you know, you're going to change your mind anyway. And I said to him, no, 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 I'm not going to change my mind. This was terrible. I'm never going to do something like this again. <laughs> and he said, you know what, Aaron, either it's five nights of sleep or five beers, whichever one comes first will change your mind. And yeah. it was uh, actually five beers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, but it's it's always the same. I mean, you're doing something which is really painful, and you you think you you will never do it again, and then two days later you think this was probably the best thing I've ever done, and I will do it again. <laughs> that happened I, to I, me. I so start often. recognizing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so gravel biking is becoming more and more popular, and not only for the extreme uh, riders like you or like the. The people who compete in this race but also for everyone so that's why the green divide was created in the netherlands um what is a green divide yeah well actually just to, to clarify I, i don't think myself myself as an as an extreme gravel rider i actually always uh my, my, my kind of my my life slogan is party pace wins the race <laughs> um i always i always stop uh, during my rides I, you know, I even bring like a, a gas can and make some coffee along the way, or I even stop for a mid mid ride beer or something. So mm -hmm. I'm actually kind of a, a party pacer myself as well, um, which is perfect with in combination with gravel. Um, and and well, kind of this is maybe also uh, a nice bridge. To the green divide is, I live in the Netherlands uh, next to the Veluwe, and this is basically the biggest forest of the Netherlands. And as you might know, the Netherlands isn't that big. Yeah. And because it's a lot of meadows and polder landscapes, we don't have that much gravel also. Um, so it's actually quite hard to create a really beautiful long gravel route in the Netherlands. But then I started thinking like, hey, wait, this forest that I'm living at the edge of is actually quite long. It's like 100 kilometers nor uh, extending north. Mm -hmm. and uh, it's also extending east a, lo a lot and uh, I, I kind of like years ago already I started like drawing a, like an, an, an off-road route from where I live in the south of the forest to the north um, and I ended up like with a route say 100 kilometers um, and it was my, my idea was to create a route that would that would take like take me like in one direction just go straight ahead all the time Uh, and, and kind of only hit right in the forest mm -hmm. um, and I like this idea so so much that I, I kept improving the route 
and making it bigger and, and, and creating detours that were really worthwhile. And at a certain point, this kind of grew into this route that is now a 300 kilometer long gravel forest route. And it kind of extends over the length of this complete biggest forest of the Netherlands. It's a combination of the Utrechtse Heuvelrug and Veluwe, which are the two biggest forests actually. And, um, and, and I, yeah, well, and, and I had to look for a name. So, and it's also, it's like a really green route, obviously, because it's all forest. So I kind of made a, a little wink to the, uh, Great Divide route in uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. So I called it the Green Divide. And, uh, now actually I, I, like I made it obviously basically for myself because I liked riding this route, but after it launched, it actually exploded into something that is, has become really popular over the last year in the Netherlands um, and even international. So a lot of people have been riding this route now and uh, really enjoying it. Yeah, that's really a cool way to to explore the, the landscape and uh, crossing a country. So since uh, this road is not super extreme and not uh, super extremely technical it's really made for almost everyone so what are your best tips for someone who wants to ride the green divide as a beginner uh to take it easy because um there has been a couple of fast people as well already that have ridden the route in one go so in one day in summer Mm -hmm. um and you can do that but The route, actually, I made the route with the idea to create kind of like a beautiful bikepacking route almost. So my advice to people, especially beginners, would be to, to take three, maybe even four days and ride it on a party pace, enjoy the nature, you know, stop for a picture, stop for a coffee, uh, take a good night's sleep somewhere in a hotel, or if you're a bikepacker, maybe set up a camp somewhere on a, on a campsite. And, and basically enjoy and the route. Drink a midday beer. Uh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds really cool. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's really a thing um, I should do next year because it really sounds good. And um, I really like the concept of not racing through it, but enjoying it. So um, that's that's really sounds great. So yeah, since you have created this route and then did uh, the Moselrad tour and uh, the bikepacking uh, race. What is on your list for next year for 2022? What adventures do you want to do? Um, well, I'm still working on it a little bit, but um, well, the, the funny thing is you asked me before, like, am I ever going to do a, an ultra race like the Grand Guanche again? Um, and Uh, well, actually, like I said, the answer is probably yes. Um, <laughs> but it's even worse because I actually already have a ticket for the Atlas Mountain Race in February. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I already had it in my pocket and I was actually thinking of like like uh, getting rid of my ticket again. But now I'm start start thinking again like, no, nah, I should probably ride it. Um, so, so I'm gonna, if COVID permits me to uh, gonna ride the atlas mountain race in february um and i'm actually also in possession of a gravel race ticket for the rift on iceland mm -hmm. 
and I'm not really a racer per se. It kind of looks like I'm a racer now, right? With the ultra and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I actually like try to visit these events because I really want to enjoy the, the route and the place where you're going. Um, and I'm not afraid of like a sportive uh, kind of like a, uh, a like something to, to try. Um, but I'm definitely not riding these rides to to be first or to like to win it or something, just yeah. to, like to enjoy myself. Yeah, that sounds really good. So I definitely wish you all the uh, all the best for 2022. And thank you. Um, Good luck on your <laughs> on your new racing career. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, enjoy all the races you you do. Enjoy all the gravel rides, and I hope we talk here soon again. I hope so too. Thank Th you. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye.